All right. Well, guys, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in 2 Corinthians uh, this morning, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and um, we've been doing this little series called Next Step Church, and the premise is that there's always some place that we can go, uh, right? That God is, is never wants us just to wander around aimlessly, especially spiritually, but He actually has a plan for us. He, he never sends His kids into the wilderness to wander, right? It's always a place of preparation. So God has a plan for us, right? Uh, he, he, he literally has a... a uh, a path for us. We've been talking about that path and so uh, how we kind of get on that path and, and then what we do with that. And so this morning we're going to continue that. Um, I think we're talking about the fourth step this morning. We'll recap that in a second. Um, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to um, be prepared to take some notes, right? So um, we believe in church participation. So that means uh, when, we, when we sing, we sing. When we pray, we pray. When we give, we give. And um, when we study, we study. So we've got bulletins when you came in. If you've got a hard copy, uh, there's fill-in-the-blank sermon notes. If not, um, we've got uh, digital sermon notes, same way that the other QR code worked. And I'm going to pray for our time in God's Word now. And uh, you'll get your notes ready. Um, be prepared to study God's Word together. Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for your Word, which is good and endures forever. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It has the ability to penetrate to the depths of who we are. It is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work you have for us. And so, uh, God, just use it in that way in our lives. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come and take your place in our pulpit. Teach us the ways of Jesus from the inside out that we might be changed um, from this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, amen. 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 That's right. I like it. Um, so guys, we've been talking about this path, the fact that God doesn't want us to wander, and kind of just said, not only is there a path, uh, but there's only one way to get on that path. Uh, the first step in the journey is worshiping Jesus as Lord. That means that we don't just sing song to, songs to Him. It means that we accept that He indeed is God, uh, that He is God's solution to our sin problem, and that we give our lives to Him. Lordship is I'm giving my life to you. So when that happens... Uh, that, that, that's the first step, right? And so then we talked about worshiping God in community. Uh, last week, worshiping God as a member of his church, which we've got some people joining today. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cover some of that, and we're so super excited about that. Uh, but this morning, we're going to talk about that fourth step, and it's a little bit of a transition. Um, but I want to jump into the text together this morning. I'm in 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 17, and I'm going to read through verse 21. And here's what God's Word says. It says, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who's reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are God's, uh, we're ambassadors for Christ, uh, since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And it says this in verse 21, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so this morning, I, I want to talk to you about this fourth step, and, and there's a transition that happens here. And, uh, and so three things I want to share with you this morning, and here's the first. I want you to know that when we receive Jesus as Lord, we are changed, okay? When we receive Jesus as Lord, we are changed. It, 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 it has happened, all right? It has happened. 
In other words, when we take that first step, we worship Jesus Christ as Lord. In that moment, uh, sometimes Scripture says in the blink of an eye, in in that moment, in that very second, uh, you are changed. I was changed. Right? That's the truth of, of Scripture. The big churchy word for this is justification. Um, but a lot of times, we, 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 we struggle with this. We go, well, was I, was I really changed? What, what changed about me? Some people will say, well, why do I need to receive Jesus? Uh, like, how are things going to change? Well, let's talk about this, that this morning. I, I want to show you what I mean throughout Scripture. And, and so uh, this text, 2 Corinthians 5, um, Paul says we become a new creation. And in that moment, we become a new creation. What does that mean? What does that mean? So I, there's a few things. And, and when he says that, here's, here's what he means. This is how we've changed. Uh, first and foremost, we receive new life. Man, we receive new life. When, when, when we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, we say, Jesus, your Lord, come into my life, take control. When we worship him in his rightful place, positioning of Lord of our lives, when that happens, we're, we, we are born again, the scripture says. Right? Uh, it says this in John 5, 25. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and, and, and believes him who sent me, that's God the Father, says anyone who does that has eternal life. And, and they won't come under judgment, but they have passed from death into life. Right? So, so the moment we receive Christ, we get, we get new life. Ephesians uh, chapter 2 I think it's verse 5, says that we've been made alive in Christ. Jesus in John chapter 3 explained it as a new birth, as a, as a spiritual birth. He says you've got to be born again, Nicodemus, born of the Spirit. And so uh, first and foremost, guys, when we accept Christ and we worship Him as Lord, we, uh, we get new life. But we don't just get new life. It doesn't stop there. We also receive a new identity. Right? We receive a, a new identity. If you have your Bibles, I'm, I'm just going to move over to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Again, Paul writes, he says, And you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. We were by nature children under wrath. Uh, other translations say objects of wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, he made us alive with Christ. Even though you were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. He also has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved, right? Through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But he doesn't stop there. Listen. He says, so then remember at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called uncircumcised by those that call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the flesh without human, uh, by human hands. At that time you were without Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope. You were without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, but in that beautiful word, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one, tore down the dividing a wall of hostility in the flesh. He made in no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new. He did this so that we might be reconciled uh, both to God in one body through the cross by which he put to death hostility. And then I, I want to I put this on the screen, uh, verse 19. 
says, So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. So I just want to break Ephesians 2 down, okay? We were dead in our sins and transgressions. Because of that, we were objects of God's wrath. We were far away from God. We were without hope in the world because we were without Christ, okay? We were excluded <clears throat> from membership in the kingdom of God. Uh, we were excluded from membership in the family of God. But in Christ, through Christ, we're made alive. We're raised up and seated with him, right? We're brought near to him. And, and this amazing passage, listen, and we're now members of his house. We have a new identity, okay? We were dead. We were objects of wrath. But when we receive Jesus, when we worship Jesus as Lord, we go from being objects of God's wrath to being members of his house, all right? So we get new life, we get new identity. That would be enough, but it doesn't stop there, guys. It, not only do we get new life and new identity, we also receive new ability, right? So, so this, this thing, Jesus says in John chapter 3, uh, that when we receive him, that we are born again. He, he says you are born of the Spirit. Uh, you get a spiritual birth. And, and what happens, literally, is the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and dwells in us. What is better than Jesus with us is Christ in us, the Holy Spirit of God living in us. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, uh, he brings with him gifts. Isn't that awesome? right? Everybody likes gifts, and so he brings with him gifts. And I don't have time this morning to talk to you about all of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has. I just want to say this little thing. Uh, number one, you don't have all of them. Number two, you probably have more than one of them, okay? And if you're wondering what they are, check out Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, or Ephesians 4, okay? Those are the spiritual gift lists. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4, read up on them. You probably have more than one of those. You don't have all of those because you're not Jesus. Okay, so uh, love you, but you're not. All right, so uh, that's, that's important. So, so listen, when, when this happens, when we receive Jesus, uh, when he becomes the Lord of our life, we get this new life, we get this new identity. I'm a child of God. I also get new ability. The Spirit gives me spiritual gifts to be used for the kingdom of God, but I'm still weak. Uh, even though Jesus is in me. So what does he do? The Spirit makes me strong. And this is what it says in Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when, you, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and that means that Christians, that you can't say that you can't talk to somebody about the Lord because you can, right? You're right. In your flesh, you can't, right? In, in your human nature, you can't bring glory to God. But by the Spirit buddy, you can, because he gives you power, and he gives you gifting and ability to do it, and you will bring glory to God as long as you surrender to the Spirit of God in your life, but again, it doesn't stop there, this newness, we also have new freedom, we have new freedom, listen, before Christ, we were slaves to sin, okay, go back and study the Old Testament, you remember uh, that it was in Egypt that Israel became a great nation, but they were enslaved, and they cried out, God, deliver us. And what Moses is, is a portrait of, of the greater deliverer to come named Jesus, right? And, and so just as the Israelites were enslaved to sin, so we were, uh, or were enslaved to Pharaoh, so we were enslaved to, to sin. And uh, Paul writes it this way, Romans 8, he says, because of the law of the spirit of life 
uh, in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. We've been set free. Jesus walks into the synagogue and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah. And he talks about setting the captives free. He's talking about us. Before we had no choice. We couldn't bring glory to God. We were destined to sin. We had no choice. We had no freedom. But Christ has set us free. And now we have the ability to choose the things of God. Right? It's awesome. Okay? And finally, not only do we have new freedom, we have a new future. All this has already happened for you if you've received Jesus. You have a new future. Right? So, so what, what, what was our, our future destination? We were objects of wrath. That's what we were. So Ephesians 2, if we were objects of wrath, the way that story ends is, is it, when you die, you die in complete separation from God. And the full wrath of God, if you read the book of Revelation, which isn't awesome, gets poured out upon you, right? And that's a horrible, horrible experience. The Bible has a word for it called hell. Like, that's it. I'd, I'd love to avoid it. That'd be, that'd be more fun. It'd be a lot more gentle. But that is the truth of Scripture that people that die separated from Christ, rejecting the gift of His one and only Son, Jesus, whom He gave, who died for all that would receive Him, the people that reject the very best that God gave them in Jesus will face the wrath of an angry God at that point. That's the truth. And you would be angry too. If you gave up your child for someone else and they rejected it, right? You want to put that on, imagine for a second that you had a child and, and they had a vital organ and you decided, someone else you know, said they, they wanted it, you offered it up. You offered it up and, and uh, then something horrible happened to your child. You lost your child. And then, and then suddenly the person that it was meant to go to just at the last second said, no, never mind. Whoo! Hell hath no fury like that parent, right? We understand the wrath of God better when we try to put some flesh on it for us sometimes, okay? Listen, that's what we were destined for. But listen now, for those that receive Jesus, do you know what your future looks like? Looks like you get to be a member of God's household. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, man, you trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. Get this. I go there now to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, surely I'm coming back. And I'm going to take you to be with me where I am. That is your future. That's our future is to be with Jesus. To be with the Father. Living in the house of God. Right? It's awesome. It's awesome. So, so I, I just want to say this. Right? When we receive Jesus, we're changed. Okay? I'm going to keep an eye on the time. When we receive Jesus, we are, are changed. But I want to pause there with two statements, all right? So I'm going to make two statements. We'll move on. Statement number one, I want you to know that it is a grave error to think that when you accept Christ, nothing changes. That's the first statement. That's kind of what that first point's about, right? Anybody that said, well, why, why, does, why does accepting Jesus matter? It matters. Because when you receive Christ, you are justified, right? You, you are changed in a moment. All of those things are yours immediately, okay? So it is a grave error to think that Jesus doesn't change anything. But I want you to hear the second statement. It is an equally grave error to believe that when you accept Christ, everything changes automatically. Okay? It's an equally grave error to think that when you accept Christ, everything changes automatically. Because here's the truth. This is the tension of Scripture. While I'm a new creation, ready? Ready? I'm still dealing with old flesh, old habits, 
right? Old memories, old hurts, and sometimes old foundational beliefs, right? I went through some kind of trauma, and so I have a belief that people are always out to hurt me. I've got, to, I've got to put number one first, right? And, and, and even though you're a new creation, all of that old stuff comes with you into that. And so here's what I'm saying to you. Accepting Jesus absolutely changes you, but He ain't finished changing you. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It is awesome. Justification is awesome. But that is just the beginning. And I say that this morning, and I say that in love. So many Christians think, that that is where it stops. I've received Jesus. I'm going to heaven. I'm done. I'm done. No, you've just begun. It is true that God wants to change you. It is true that he changes you when you accept his son. It is equally true that he's not done changing you, that that's the beginning of the change that he wants to bring about in you, okay? Which is kind of our next point. Ready? The immediate change that we experience when we accept Christ is just the beginning of what God wants to do in us. The immediate change that we experience when we accept Christ is just the beginning of what God wants to do in us, right? So we receive Jesus, new life, new identity, new ability, new freedom, new future. Uh, that's, that's called justification. That's immediate. But that's just the beginning. Then God wants to continue to change us in a lifelong process called sanctification. And sanctification is just the lifelong process of becoming more and more and more like Jesus. That's it. That's a big churchy word. Lifelong process, becoming more and more like Jesus. So, so listen, receiving Christ is just the beginning, okay, of what he wants to do. And now is this next part. And that's kind of, that's our next step, by the way, on the path. That's what we're talking about. So final point, ready, is, is this. As we learn to abide in Christ and walk in his spirit, we continue to change into his likeness. Okay, as we learn to abide in Christ and walk in his spirit, we continue to change into his likeness. So we receive Jesus, we get on the path, we are changed, but as we learn to, to abide in Jesus and, 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 and walk, submit to this, this new Holy Spirit-driven uh, life in us, then we'll be changed even more and more every day and we'll look more and more and more and more and more like Christ. It'll take your life, by the way, all right? That's why I said this process isn't a checklist, right? It's a constant. I'm always looking at these things. I'm going, am I really worshiping Jesus as Lord? Right? I know I'm saved. I know I'm justified. But am I, am I still acting like it? Right? Am I still the leper that came back? Right? And so we're constantly looking at these things. And so, um, so that immediate change is a big deal. Right? But this lifelong process is what I now want to talk to you about. It's called sanctification. So here is the deal. In the coming weeks, I'm going to talk to you about your part in it. I'm going to talk to you about how you intentionally can identify areas in your life that you need growth, and you go, hey, I'm going to press into that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, so we'll, we'll talk about some weird things to you. Uh, we believe in relational uh, discipleship, so I have a little diagram. Uh, we're going to talk about this thing called the Jahari window, uh, which may freak you out a little bit, but if you imagine kind of a 3D model of a building, and there's like a window, and I'm looking through the window, and Jens can see me, and I can see him, but that's all we can see of each other. We can't see anything inside the house. And that's kind of how a lot of relationships are. And so we intentionally have to press into that, right? And so when I enter into relationships then, and I get in community, uh, I start to reveal more about me. And so there's less hidden, right? That's less area for sin, y'all. The more I reveal, the less I can hide, the less room the enemy has to jack with me. And so I, I begin as I build relationships to reveal more. I, as those relationships get closer, I invite people and say, Hey, Aaron, is there anything in me that you see 
that, that I'm not seeing. So I invite people to now give me feedback. And they're giving me feedback about maybe a blind spot that I'm not seeing. Like, hey, you know, that word that you use, sometimes that's not awesome. Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't even hear it. I'm inviting them in. And, and, and so we're going to talk about that intentional process, discovering our gifts, using them, pouring ourselves. Like, we're going we're gonna to get into all of it that's coming. But this morning, I just wanted to make it simple. So I'm going to give you one thing you can do right now that will result, I guarantee it will result in change. Okay? How many of you this morning, show of hands, quick poll, you say, not killing it in every area, I'd like the Lord to change me a little bit. Come on. We're in church. Okay? If you're killing it in every area, God bless you. Let's tag out. Just come, tag it on out. Tag it on out. Um, I'm coaching volleyball right now. Uh, it's good. Um, you guys know I'm a little passionate. I like to win. I'm a little competitive. Um, and we've got, we've got some, some kiddos that have never played. Uh, and that's awesome at this age because uh, we're learning basics and foundations. And so I've made it my goal, uh, this is sanctification, work, that I just want the kids to get better every week. Just better. So I'm like, I don't care about winning, which is really hard to say for me. Okay, and then I get in the game, and I'm like, "Come on!" Um, and so, I, I, so it's a lot like it's a lot like pastoring. I'm like, "Dig deep, y'all! Come on, dig deep! You got it! Fight, fight!" That's me all day, right? And so, um, so like we we're not winning much, but yes, but I am teaching them things they'll need because some of these girls are about to be in middle school volleyball. So, like, I taught some girls how to how to hit a kill shot yesterday. We went through it uh, before our second game, and sure enough, by golly, in the actual game, just like we practice, ball comes up. Bam, kill, boom, hits the ground. She's like, yeah! And I was like, that's my girl right there. That's my passion. We lost that game totally. Lost. But we hit a kill shot, baby. Even though the four or five times we tried to set up for it, we lost points. But it's fine. It's fine. I'm not that competitive. I want you to change. God needs us to change. And I'm, I'm going to beg you the next two weeks to get involved in that change. But listen to me. There is one thing you can do, and it will bring automatic change. Isn't that awesome? Like, like listen, some of you got a lot going on. I feel you, right? Saturday is the parents' great day to watch their kids do awesome things. And it's like personal, like, oh my gosh. So I appreciate you showing up Sunday because some of you went to four games yesterday, right? Some of you have three games today. God bless you, right? It is exhausting being a parent. And then you have to feed them and clean up. I'm like, what on earth? So if you're busy, I get it. I'm still going to press you the next two weeks. But this morning, I'm going to tell you one thing you can do every week that will bring about change in your life. So I'll give you a formula for it even, right? We're American Christians. We like formulas. So here, here it is. I'll put it on the screen. <laughs> Time plus frequency plus influence equals change. Okay? Time plus frequency plus influence equals change. Right? David Daniels, guy wrote this, this book. We're kind of basing some of this stuff off. This is his formula. But what he's saying, in all honesty, is church. If you will commit the time to, to making church a priority 
if you will be here frequently, if you will hear the word regularly, if you will read it and pray and talk about it, you will change. You absolutely will. It, it ha- it, like historically, this is uh, like Acts chapter 2 is where we started a few weeks ago. We talked about community like three weeks ago, okay, two weeks ago, whatever, right? Acts 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and they were changed. They just devoted themselves to, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking bread. They devoted themselves to church and they were changed, okay? So we're going to talk about intentional stuff, how we get deep, all that kind of stuff. All that's good. But if, if you like some simple change, here it is. Ready? Here it is. Devote yourself to church. Make it a priority again. Just say, man, we're, we're in. We're going to be in. Everything else is going to have to figure out where it fits. Right? Just, just do it. And so, so uh, here's where we are. Big picture. Um, you can't read any of this. Uh, we did our first three steps, worshiping Jesus as Lord, worshiping Jesus in community, worshiping Jesus as a member of his church. I can actually read that from way back here. I, if it were up here, I couldn't see a thing. Of it, okay? um, so the next step uh, is what we're going to call incidental transformation. Now, incidental, it's not accidental, but it just means that there's this truth that when you put yourself in the path that God travels, you get God. You just do, because God's faithful. And so if God, if God intended that his church would be the method for the gospel to go forth and impact the world, then God designed church to change you. He just did. And if you'll just show up, you'll change. You, you, you just raise your hand and say, there's stuff that I, I want change in my life. Show up and just see what God does. He will change so much of you, okay? Now there's other things you'll have to put some work in, all right? But you'll be shocked what God can do, just you being here. So only two application points this, this morning. Ready? Number one, accept Christ. Same thing every week. You've got to get on the path. I love you. I want you on the path with us. I do. Right? I'm, I'm pumped. We've we got somebody we're going to baptize here in a couple weeks. Is it, jumping in. It'd be like, yep, I'm all in. And uh, really cool. We've got a baptism this morning in the, in the next service. And so, uh, listen, like, you've got to get on the path. Okay? You've got to get on the path. If you have not accepted Christ as Lord, do it today. Just say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I'm tired of acting like I'm in control. I can't handle this. Just, just save me. Come into my life. He will do that for you. So that's a big deal. And then number two, guys, uh, just commit to regular, frequent church participation. That's a pastor trick right there. I used the same word twice. Almost, right? Regular, frequent. You're like, that's the same thing. Well, eh. Sometimes we think of regular as not so frequent. Regular, frequent church attendance. Just, just, and not attendance, it says participation. That was the word I was keeping in my brain. Like I'm supposed to say it's not attendance. It's participation. What's the difference between attendance and participation? Attendance is I show up. Participation is I come with expectations. And, and when I'm here, I'm all in. Right? When I sing, I sing. When they pray, I pray. When they give, I give. Right? When they study, I study. And ready? When they serve, I serve. I'm in. I'm in. If you'll commit to those things, I promise you, God will begin to bring about change in your life. That is our goal. That is what we want for you. So I'm going to pray for you this morning. That's what I want to do. So I'm going to ask everybody, if you would just bow your head. Uh, nobody's going to kind of look around. I, I just want to know um, anybody that you're saying, yeah, pastor, I, I, man, I... 
I just, would you pray for me? I'm, I'm just looking. But, uh, but you say, I, I specifically, you, you have a prayer need right now. You're like, I need to change. I feel it. Just raise your hand for me. Nobody's looking around. I just need to make sure. Okay, I'm seeing, seeing some people. I know. Okay, I need to change. All right. Father God, change comes in so many ways. It all begins with accepting what your son has done for us through his life and death and resurrection. And If there's anyone here that has not accepted Christ, they cannot change on their own. That's what they're running up against. They're so tired. They keep trying to do it on their own. They need Jesus. And so I pray today would be the day that they surrender to, to, to Jesus today. To anyone here that hasn't. But Lord, there are others here that do know you and they still need change. Father, I pray we would start here with step one of this transformation now. And it would just be this utter commitment to your bride, the church, which King Jesus, you died for. God, let us take a hard look at life. Let us take a hard look at priorities and let us reorganize and make our lives built around being devoted, devoted to your bride, the church. And as that happens, we will be changed. You guarantee it. And so, Father, I pray that for every step someone in this congregation takes, somebody's going to read their Bible more next week. God, change them. Somebody next week is just going to pray more. God, change them. Somebody's going to make showing up regularly. They're going to, and change them. Every step of obedience, bring about that change they desire in their heart and in their life. Jesus, please, we ask it in your powerful and precious name. Amen.